It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, December 13th, 2021. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. Sitka reported three new coronavirus cases on Thursday, according to data from the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services. These new cases increased Sitka's seven-day case rate to 15, keeping the community in a high COVID alert level. There is one active case associated with the Sitka School District. Statewide, Alaska reported a total of 1,421 positive cases this week, a 24 percent decrease from last week. Currently, 73 percent of eligible Sitkins are fully vaccinated, a 1 percent increase from the beginning of the week. Since the beginning of the pandemic, Sitka has reported a total of 1,258 cases, 27 hospitalizations, and five deaths. Yakutat reported one active coronavirus case on Thursday, according to the Department of Public Safety. The positive patient is an unvaccinated resident. The individual was symptomatic at the time of testing and had recently traveled outside of the community. This is the first positive case in Yakutat since November 9th. Since the beginning of the pandemic, Yakutat has reported a total of 56 COVID cases. Alaska's sole Native reservation has taken a fishing dispute with the state to a federal appeals court. As KRBD's Eric Stone reports, the Metlakatla Indian community is asking the Ninth Circuit to rule that its tribal members don't need state permits to fish in their traditional waters. Congress created the Annette Islands Reserve in the late 19th century as a self-sustaining home for the people of Metlakatla. Now, Metlakatla Indian Community's tribal government argues the 1891 law also gives its modern-day members unfettered rights to commercially fish around Ketchikan and Prince of Wales Island. Its tribal members are the only people authorized to fish within 3,000 feet of the reserve, but in other parts of the southern panhandle, the same rules apply to them as anyone else, and the tribe took the Dunleavy administration to court last year to force the issue. A federal judge dismissed Matt LeCantla's case. That brings us to Monday's oral arguments. The district court erred in three main ways that are interrelated. That's Metlakantla's attorney, Julie Weiss, addressing the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in California. She said established precedent and longstanding principles of Indian law provide a legal basis for Metlakantla's interpretation of the 1891 law creating the reserve. The problem for Metlakantla's case, though, is that the 1891 law doesn't explicitly mention fishing. The 101-word statute says only that the reservation was set aside, quote, for the use of the Metlakantla Indians. But White cited a 1996 Ninth Circuit opinion that found that when reservations are created by fiat as opposed to by a negotiated treaty, important rights and privileges are often left out of the text. The court indicated that we should look at the circumstances of the reservation's creation and the history of the people for whom the reservation was created. And she said Metlakantla's fishermen had long harvested in waters within a day's travel of their home. She said that was proof enough that they did not believe they were bound by the reserve's waters extending out 3,000 feet. The facts alleged in the community's complaint um, and the inferences drawn therefrom demonstrated that an Indian in southeast Alaska more than a century ago could not have conceived of an invisible line around the reserve beyond which it could not fish. Weiss argued that the U.S. Supreme Court had recognized the importance of fishing to Metlakatla citizens more than a century ago. The court stated, Congress must be held to have known that without the food yield of the sea, these Indians could not survive, there being a little or no agricultural land on the islands or for that matter in, south, in all southeastern Alaska. That 1918 Alaska Pacific Fisheries case upheld Metlakatla members' exclusive right to fish in waters near Annette Island, but Weiss said the tribe was not a party to the case back then, so they weren't able to argue for the wider interpretation they're seeking in 2021. 
Weiss asked the three-judge panel to reverse a lower court judge's dismissal and instruct the district court to define Metlakatla's fishing rights off the reservation. But the state's attorney fired back that Metlakatla's demands would give their tribal members an unfair advantage over other Alaskans. Alaska Assistant Attorney General Laura Wolf said Alaskans have to follow uniform fishing rules and regulations. They're not asking just to share fishing. They're asking for a priority. She emphasized that the 1891 law doesn't say anything about fishing, and the congressional record from that time doesn't indicate it was ever a consideration. And these facts, these don't add up to the legal conclusion that the act created an off-reservation right when the act is completely silent as to that right. Wolf argued that the state's fishing permit system, which in most cases only allows a limited number of vessels to commercially fish in state waters, was to prevent overfishing. Wolf argued that allowing otherwise would undermine that. And these facts, these don't add up to the legal conclusion that the act created an off-reservation right when the act is completely silent as to that right. Judge William Fletcher, part of the three-judge panel, seemed to question that last point. It may derail this particular program, but I don't think it would disable the, the state from regulating for purposes of conservation. He said prior cases had held that tribal fishing rights are subject to state regulations aimed at conserving fisheries. Matt Cantla's attorney agreed. A ruling is expected next year. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. The owners of the Gustavus Inn have sold their business after a run of more than four decades. After being on the market for a couple of years, the property was acquired by the Huna Indian Association, giving the Huna Hlinget an economic foothold in their traditional lands. KTOO's Lindsay Berlini reports. Gustavus is a gateway to visiting Glacier Bay National Park and Preserve, so the community gets a lot of tourists in the summertime. And one of the few places they can stay while visiting the park is the Gustavus Inn. The Lush family have owned the Gustavus Inn since 1965, when Jack and Sally Lush bought it. Their son David Lush and his wife Joanne took it over in 1980. And a lot has changed since then. At first, there wasn't any power, no roads, or phone service in Gustavus. Joanne Lush says it wasn't easy running the business back then. Having a small business in a town like that is about being nimble and adaptable. You anticipate and you plan ahead, and then you try to make it work when, when things happen. They're going to miss the guests the most, but Lesh says they're looking forward to having their first summer off in 40 years. And she's glad the Huna Indian Association is taking the place over. We're excited about the tribe having a, you know, a place to call home in their homeland. Robert Starbard is the tribe's tribal administrator and chief executive officer. He says that's the tribe's main reason for buying the inn, for the Huna Thinget to have a place in their homelands. We've never uh, actually had a uh, claim for a, a sustained physical presence there since um, the Little Ice Age, and this is part of uh, correcting that. He says the tribe started looking at buying the inn back in 2019. The pandemic put discussions on hold. In late spring this year, the tribe started negotiations again and eventually bought the property. Starbird says the inn will be quite different from when the Leshes ran it. They plan to focus more on cultural tourism. A place where uh, the interpreters uh, can bring clients um, to uh, experience uh, the, uh, the richness of the Clinket culture, uh, 
uh, outside of uh, the confines of the park. And they want to expand. The building will give the tribe the infrastructure it needs for other projects in the area, like sustaining the tribe's clan house, holding culture camps, and providing job opportunities for tribal citizens. Starbard says the tribe wants its citizens to be able to take jobs at the National Park Service and work in Glacier Bay in the summer. We're hoping to develop some small housing uh, on the property that will give um, the ability for uh, our tribal citizens to take jobs with the park to be able to get back and forth to and from Huna. Starbard says one of the hardest parts of being in Gustavus is the isolation, which is why the tribe wants to create daily ferry service from Huna to Gustavus, so citizens won't be so isolated from their home. The tribe is aiming to have its Gustavus operation ready by the 2023 season, but that's not a firm date. Starbard says they've got to build their boat, have it go through trials, and be delivered. And because of the unknowns of um, this upcoming season with COVID, uh, still uh, COVID variants still very much wandering around um, the countryside, the uh, crystal balls that we're all operating with are very opaque. Despite the uncertainty on the timing, Starbird says when the inn does reopen, it will be an economic engine for the tribe. In Juno, I'm Lindsay Brolini. The Central Council of the Shinget and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska is expanding in the Ach Village District in downtown Juneau. The tribe bought two buildings on Willoughby Avenue. Both are near the tribe's headquarters. Tribe President Shasha Ish Richard Peterson says that the move is a return of land to indigenous people. During this year's tribal assembly, Shinget and Haida committed to developing a tribal campus. Peterson says these new buildings are a step in that direction. Many of our clients fall under different programs, not just one program. So they have to kind of traverse all across town just to get services. It's it's not the most conducive thing. So for us, it, it really does make things better if we can um, build and expand in a campus setting. The tribe is outgrowing its current building, too. It now employs over 400 people in Juneau and elsewhere. A lot of employees are working from home right now, and Peterson wants to be able to bring employees back to the office. But to do that safely, everyone will need to have their own office. We're running out of space, and we really can't, with this pandemic, we really can't double up and put, like, two people to an office anymore, right? There's some work to do before that happens, like redesigning the buildings inside and out. The buildings aren't vacant, either. As the leases expire, Peterson says the tribe will consider each one and decide if they want to keep the leases or move the tribe's employees into those spaces. I'm Aaron Fulton, and this has been Raven News.